Well, we're going to get on to our message uh, this morning, and, and I want to tell you a couple of different stories. One was when I was 18 years old, and I was uh, a youth intern at my church, and so uh, I was really young, but I was given amazing opportunities. Uh, myself and, and one of my friends who were doing this course together, we ran four different high school programs. We, I was in, uh, basically uh, really looking after the band. I was even given the chance to run our youth camp at 18 years old. I loved it. It was so much fun. I got lots of experience out of it, and um, during that year, one of the other youth leaders, and, and this guy was like one of those go-getters. Have you ever met a person that's just like got ideas coming out of their skin? There's like, every time you speak to this person, there's another idea. Every time you, you get around him, you get excited about the possibilities of the world. And one day he said, Nate, can we go get a coffee? And so we grabbed a coffee and he said, I've got an idea. I wasn't surprised by that. And we sat down and, and we had this coffee and he said, Nate, I want to bring our youth band down south and we're going to run like a rally and it's going to get all these youth from these towns together for this one night rally and we're going to see so many young people saved. And I was like, yeah, cool, man. Awesome. And so we were talking about all the different ideas he had and all the logistics, but I had something in mind. I was like, I know what this guy's like. He's got ideas, but he doesn't have tenacity. Anyone met a person that has got ideas, but maybe not the tenacity? And so my response to all that is like, awesome, man. When you get this going, let me know. I never heard again about this project. It got torpedoed. Nothing happened because this guy didn't have the tenacity to make it happen. Fast forward a few years to when I was about 22 years old, and I was given my first leadership um, opportunity at my previous church. I was leading our first ever a mission trip team to Indonesia and it was going to be a team of about 12 of us, I think, all of them about my age or a little bit younger at that point. And we were going to go and we we're going to uh, suss out how our church could partner with this church uh, and this organization over in Indonesia and what we could do. And so Pastor Joel uh, said to me, Nate, I want you to lead the team. And I was stoked. I was born ready to lead this team. Uh, everything, I was waiting for an opportunity. And so when it came, I was like, yep, awesome. And so one of the first things I did was to list out all the things that we needed to do. And I came up with some of the solutions that I thought would work really well. One of the issues is that all of us being young people, we had different financial capabilities. And this trip was going to cost a bit of money. We would need to buy airfares. We would need to uh, uh, pay for accommodation. We would need to get resources ready. And different people had different capacities. Some of us could pay upfront. Some people would need a little bit more time. And so I came up with this brilliant idea that we would set up a bank account and those who could pay the full amount first would pay it first so that we could secure the airfares, we could secure the accommodation, we could do what we needed to do early on and take the pressure of those who were going to need a little bit more time to get on the border trip. Who thinks that was a great idea? Well, some people thought it was a great idea. Most of the team didn't. In fact, I was the only person on that team that thought it was a great idea. Why? Because we actually knew each other, and some of the people were not financially strong for some reasons. 
It wasn't like we were with random people and we didn't know their spending habits or rather, or their spending or saving habits. We, we knew these people and there were people that were uncomfortable with prepaying for some people who would, might never stump up the cash for this project. And so uh, I, I, I thought tenacity is what I need right now. And so I push, pushed on with this idea. I kept telling them, come on, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. You know, even those who were not as financially capable, in fact, those who struggled financially said, Nate, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> but you know what? I was a good leader because I was a tenacious leader. And we pushed through. Um, and um, my dignity was saved. And I know I say this a little bit callously. I, I don't mean it that way. But my dignity was saved because of the Bali bombings. And the mission trip was cancelled. But even before then, the team was on the rocks because my tenacious leadership meant that people were sidelined and they felt like they weren't being listened to. So I tell you two stories. One of a leader with no tenacity, one of a leader with too much tenacity. When does tenacity actually work? How do we know whether being tenacious is the right response to the situation? And this morning, I want to go to a Bible story that honestly is probably slightly obscure. We don't really use this passage much because the authors don't really tell us a lot of stuff about how we are meant to see this. But when I read this, uh, God put something on my heart. You know, this, this series uh, on strong hearts, we've been talking a lot about this race that God has got us on. And this is a story about a race. And it comes in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verses 19 to 33. Um, it's, it's a long passage. I didn't put all the scripture on because it would just be a lot of words on the screen. I've only put a little bit, I put a start of it on because we're going to unpack this in a moment. Let me read this to you quickly. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run and carry the news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hand of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You are not to carry news today. You may carry news another day, but today you shall carry no news because the, son, the king's son is dead. Let me just give you a little bit of context as to this passage. You see, King David, most of us would know from the Bible stories, King David was the one that killed Goliath. King David was the one that, that united the land. King David was the one that really put God at the center of Israel. King David was an amazing king, but King David had problems with his sons, one of them named Absalom. Absalom had usurped the throne, and so a few chapters before, we find King David and his army being exiled and running away from Jerusalem because his own son was trying to kill him. That's the situation. And in the midst of this uh, exile or this uh, retreat, this runaway, uh, there were a few people that were left behind to try to get intelligence and to understand the situation that was evolving in Jerusalem. Ahimaaz was one of them. And when we read that Ahimaaz was the son of Zadok, Zadok was the priest of Israel. So Ahimaaz was next in line to become one of the priests of Israel. He was a pretty high up dude, and he stayed behind, and he gathered the intelligence that the army of Israel was going to take such and such amount of time to gather, and this is where they were going to try to attack David. And Ahimaaz risked his own life, risked his own life to get this information to David. 
So Ahimaaz is actually a hero already in a story. This guy is full of courage. This guy is loyal to the king. And, and so the battle ensues, and, uh, oh, sorry, another important detail. Because King David loved his son, he actually told his army before this big battle, do be kind to this young man for my sake. Be kind to Absalom for my sake. The battle takes place, and Absalom, and this is a weird story. You think Game of Thrones has all these twists. The Bible has twists, man. Absalom has lots of hair. That was his downfall. He was riding through the jungle. His hair gets, can't even really call it a jungle, but he was running through Israel bush. His hair gets caught at a tree, and he's strung up and just hanging there. And so Joab, the commander of the army, he sees Absalom. And now David had said not to kill Absalom, but Joab, as the commander, he was seeing the situation. Look, there's so many different things we could talk about with this, but my understanding of it is this, that as long as Absalom was alive, the battle continued to rage. And so what does Joab do? He kills Absalom. The battle stops and King David's army is the victorious one. And so then we get to this passage where Ahimaaz wants to run to David to give him the news. And Joab says to him, you are not to carry the news today. And then Joab says in verse 21, said to the Cushite, the Cushite. The Cushite is basically a foreign dude. He is probably from the area where Ethiopia was, um, and, and so he wasn't part of the Israel army. Maybe he came because he thought David was a good king to serve under. Maybe he was just a mercenary who was being paid for it. But Joab says to the Cushite, go tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed before Joab and ran. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, come what may, let me also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, why will you run, my son, seeing that you will have no reward for the news? Come what may, he said, I will will run. So he said to him, run. And Ahimaaz ran the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Verse 24, now David was sitting between the two gates and the watchman went up uh, to the roof of the gate by the wall. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out and told the king and the king said, if he is alone, there is news in his mouth. Why would he say that? It's because if the whole army was retreating, there would be a whole bunch of dudes running back. Because there's only one dude, there's probably news. Okay, where did I stop? Oh, da, da, da. And he drew nearer and nearer, verse 26, the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gate and said, see, another man running alone. The king said, he also brings news. The watchman said, I think the, first, the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. Isn't it interesting that Ahimaaz was known for his running? He, I, don't know, I don't know whether he was like, I don't know how he ran, but it was like, that's how that guy runs. And the king said, he is a good man and comes with good news. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, all is well. And he bowed before the king with his face to the earth and said, blessed be the Lord your God who has delivered up the men uh, uh, who raised, uh, the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, is it well with the young man Absalom? Ahimaaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servant, your servant, I saw a great commotion, but I did not know what it was. And the king said, turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. And behold, a Cushite came and a Cushite said, good news for my lord, the king, for the Lord has delivered you this day from the hand of all who rose up against you. The king said to the Cushite, is it well with the young man Absalom? 
And the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up against you for evil be like that young man. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I have died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Let's just pray. God, I pray that you speak to us from your word. You help us to understand and to be drawn deeper into the story um, that you want us to be a part of. We thank you, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are active and moving this morning. You know, interestingly, after this passage, Ahimaaz disappears from the Bible. There is one mention that could be Ahimaaz a little bit later, but this dude was, was supposed to be one of the heroes of this particular story. He was supposed to be, at the end of this, probably uh, uh, promoted because of what he had done. Yet, because he chose to run this particular race, I think he actually lost what God was intending for his life. There are times where tenacity is not what we need to be having in our toolkit. Or maybe we need to understand what it is that we are meant to be tenacious about. And I believe that Ahimaaz missed it. See, when we get back to uh, the start of this passage, verse 19 uh, to 23, if we can put that up on the screen, Ahimaaz comes to Zadok, uh, sorry, Ahimaaz comes to Joab and says, let me run and carry news to the king. Now, the Hebrew word for news, uh, as you can see at the top there, is actually the word kind of like gospel, is good news. See, Ahimaaz had observed his battle, he saw that the king's men had won the battle, and he immediately thought, this is good news. And so he wants to bring this good news, this gospel news, this news that God has delivered David's enemies into his hand. He wanted to run with that good news. But in verse 20, we find something interesting because Joab says to him, you are not to carry news today. Even though in English we see news and news, the second news is a different kind of news. This second news is kind of just like a neutral uh, a news report. There is nothing good about it. Joab understood that this situation was not straightforward. Even though David's army had won the battle, David was also going to grieve the loss of his son. Ahimaaz seemed to be a little bit one-eyed, maybe a little bit, I don't know, he just did not see what was truly going on. But one thing that he did have is tenacity. And so even though uh, Joab had gotten uh, the Cushite to run this race, Ahimaa still comes to Joab and says, come on, let me run after him. Now, this is a little bit silly. Already someone is going to be running this race, and so Ahimaaz sees that the Cushite has set off on this uh, messenger race. He goes, I want to run too. Now, there's something quite interesting about this. The Cushite is a foreigner, and he chooses a certain path. I think that Ahimaaz actually saw how the Cushite was going, and he went, I can win that race. I've got this. And so he goes to Joab and he says, let me run. And then what Joab responds is quite interesting once again. He says, why will you run, my son, seeing that you will have no reward 
for the news. Now, in the Hebrew, again, it's a little bit complicated, and I can understand why it was translated this way, because when Joab says there will be no reward for the news, it can also be translated, why will you run when you do not have good news? So the word reward and good news actually come from the same Hebrew root word. It comes from the root word that Ahimaaz used at the start, let me run with this good news. And so Joab was saying to him two different things. You do not have good news and you do not have a reward for this. Now, there is something that we need to understand about it because, uh, for example, the KJV says, why will you run when you do not have glad tidings? That's the KJV's translation of it. Why is it translated so differently? I think it's because in that culture, if you were a messenger with good news, you would necessarily get a good reward for it. And so Ahimaaz, seeing the battle unfolds, I think something hits him and he goes, this is good news. And along with this good news, when I bring this to the king, there will necessarily be a good reward with it. Joab is trying to say to him, no, there isn't. And what does Ahimaaz say? Come what may, let me run. I'll give it a shot. In fact, we could also translate what, come what may, as whatever happens, happens. He was willing to take a risk to carry this news because he thought that there was possibly going to be a reward attached to this particular race. So I think that Ahimaaz made a critical error in choosing what he was going to be tenacious about. I think he was more consumed with the reward than with the mission. And he was more consumed with the path that he was going to take, I can beat this guy, I can get there before him, rather than the message that he was meant to carry. And so when Ahimaaz actually makes it all the way to David, we have this really strange thing. This guy has a reputation probably for being a good messenger, for being a fast messenger, for being a loyal person. He staked his reputation on this race. I want to be the person to give David the news. And then he comes to David and he gives what he thinks the king wants to hear and completely misses the king's heart. The result of it is that he arrived beside, well, before the Cushite, but he was made to stand aside. And what God put on my heart as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how we close this current series that we are on. How do we have strong hearts? How do we face the challenges? How do we know when to be tenacious? How do we know when we are supposed to go, come what may, let me run? In fact, when I looked up and I was putting this whole little phrase, come what may, let me run, you know, it's the favorite verse of runners. As they're about to go for a competition, if you're a Christian runner, you find a verse that will motivate you, come what may, let me run. But it's taken completely out of context because this wasn't meant to be a race that this guy ran. And it was the wrong race because he missed the king's heart. See, King David was more consumed with what happened to Absalom than what happened to his army. King David was more consumed with what happened to his son, the outcome of the battle. He was more consumed about his son than any of the other troops. Joab knew this, 
And so he still chose what was possibly best for the rest of the people, but King David was still conflicted. And as we run our race, we don't have a God or our king, if we can call him that, who is conflicted and has got all of these different things that he's balancing. I believe that our God is a God of love and he's a God who is just. I believe that our God knows what is best. And what it means for us is that the more we understand God's heart, then we know what race we are meant to run. Some of us are running races that we are not meant to run. Some of us are putting in the energy and fighting with others to run races that get us to be stood aside rather than to be running races that actually do something in what God is planning. Some of us are getting to the king and we are saying to the king, look at me, look at all that I've achieved, look at all the promotions I've got, look at all the cars that I have collected, look at all the clothes that I've worn, look at all of these things. And the king is saying, well, what about this? You know, there's a story that Jesus tells, it's a parable of the goats and the sheep, and it's the day of judgment, and he comes to the sheep, and he says to the sheep, he says, well done, you guys. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And the sheep don't even really understand. It's like, when do we do this for you, Lord? And the Lord said, when you do this to the, for the least of my children, you did for me. The same thing happens to the other lot of people, the goats. And God said, when I was hungry, you did not feed me. When I was thirsty, you did not give me a drink. When I was naked, you did not clothe me. And they say, when do we see you and not do this? You see, there is something that we need to understand. God has a mission on his heart. And we are being... Judged is probably a bit of a strong word, but we are being judged. That's that's the story of the Bible. We are being judged according to whether we are fulfilling that mission or not. God actually looks and He says all of our deeds are laid bare before the Lord. And He looks at those things and says, see, the truth is that I don't think that there are many truly lazy people on this earth. I don't actually, like, I've met a few, but the vast majority of people I know, you're working your absolute tail off. You're trying to be as tenacious as you can be. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we being tenacious about the mission that God has given to us? Or am I being tenacious about the mission that I want to have? See, I think that when I was being tenacious with this mission team, I was not being tenacious about what God wanted. I was being tenacious about the promotion that could come my way. I wanted to prove to my leadership that I could be a good leader as well. And so I made decisions that were distinctly Nate's decisions so that Nate could take the credit for those decisions. I told everyone else, come what may, let me run. And I ran, and you know what? It resulted in a spectacular failure. And sometimes, you know what? I wanted to get angry at everyone else on the team. Why didn't you just get on board? Why didn't you just let me have this moment? I wonder how many of us have those moments in our life where we're like, God, why didn't you just let me have this? I tried so hard to have that. And it never came to pass. See, this morning as um, we finish this series on strong hearts, 
The thing that would help our hearts beat stronger is to know God's heart. To know that He has actually set up a race for each and every one of us. Last week we used this passage in Hebrews 12 verse 1 and it says, Therefore, since there is such a large crowd of witnesses, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us. If you're in Australia, if you're in this culture, it's sometimes nice to hear, run this race that you have chosen. This race that, that you think is really awesome. But the words is that we are meant to run with endurance the race that is set before. Who sets the race? Our superior, our king. Who sets the race? Not me. Ahimaaz chose his race. He ran like a demon. He got to the king and he got stood aside. Some of us are at risk if we're not careful. As a pastor, I run that risk every single Sunday when I bring a message to you. I have to, I literally have to, on Sunday morning, check in my heart. God, am I speaking a message that's from my heart or your heart? I always hope that it's the same heart, but there are mornings where I have to change the message because I am running a race that I think will be the right one, and sometimes it's hard to tell. But you know what makes it easier? When we get into the Word of God and we understand that in this gives us the clues, not just clues, but the instructions on our life. It tells us about what kind of heart we are meant to have. Just when we were talking about the offering message, and I'm reading that this week, and it says you need to increase in these qualities. I'm looking at that list of qualities, and I'm going, I don't think I'm there yet. Faith, virtue, steadfastness, mutual affection, what does that even mean? God, the revelation hasn't come yet. But the more I dive in and I understand God's heart, the more I understand what path I'm supposed to be setting myself on. See, the truth is, some of you might be thinking, you know, I'm going to save all those kids, all 14 of those. I don't think anyone is, but if there was someone thinking about it, is it you that is trying to save 14 kids? Or is it God's will and God's mission for you to be a part of a solution? Is it your reputation that you're trying to enhance? Or is it a mission you're trying to complete? A mission that comes from God. I hope this is speaking to someone this morning because I really sense as we were closing this series off, this is meant to be an encouraging word. Because it doesn't matter what anyone else is saying, if I'm running the race that my king has got me on, it's cool. It doesn't matter what so-and-so thinks. It doesn't matter what challenges come my way. I can be tenacious about what God is saying. The tricky thing for all of us is to remain in God's word to be clued up and to have a revelation of his heart. See, I, I recently got this um, sense that this year has been a different year for many of us. I think a part of it is that COVID is finally a thing of the past 
and we have been able to run this year. And that's how I felt at the start of the year. I finally have the shackles broken over my feet, and now I get to praise Him and run this race. And then I've hit September, October, and I felt like I've been running, man. I'm getting a bit tired here. And then I had a moment of like, am I running the right race? And we start to question and work out whether God is actually speaking to me. And you know what I realized? It's sometimes so easy to just keep running rather than to stop and allow God to speak into our hearts. This message isn't about go run harder. This message is about run with God's heart. Run knowing what the king is looking for. Run knowing the things that are moving him. Now, I've just used a story about King David, and I understand that, you know, there are certain links and all of that that I have made that is not necessarily what the Bible says, but what is clear to me is that Ahimaaz missed the plot. He missed it. Completely missed it. And when I'm reading this and I'm preparing for this week, I'm like, God, I don't want to just be busy for you. I don't want to just be doing stuff because I think that that's what makes me look good. I don't want to just have another mission just because that's what I'm meant to have. I want a mission that is on your heart and that you've given to me. So we can invite the band up this morning. What I think we need to do in closing is to give ourselves a moment to consider, to think, to reflect. Do I know God's heart? One of the things that came to me this week as I was preparing for this is that God's heart is not hard to miss. In fact, for most of us, John 3.16 is a pretty memorable verse that we were all at some stage, if you've been a Christian for a while, we were made to remember. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that none should perish, but that we would all have eternal life. I believe that that's God's heart. And how I check myself is that I have a moment of considering, am I doing this for myself or am I doing this for other people? Am I speaking because of self-promotion or am I speaking because God is going to be glorified through this? And for each and every one of you, what are you doing? Are you doing what you are doing because God gets glorified and people get to hear the gospel? Or are you doing it because somehow you're expecting some sort of personal reward for that? The more we come back to God's heart, the more we are able to run tenaciously without worry, without anxiety. The more we come back to God's heart, we will be able to do what we need to do without comparison, without anxiety, and without worry. When we run according to God's heart, we can run with confidence the race that has been set up for us. When we run with God's heart, we don't have to turn to the left or to the right. But when we know the Lord's heart, we know that even when we fail, we have a God who is faithful. When we, when we stumble and we make mistakes, we still have a God who wants to show us grace. When we understand God's heart, there is freedom to run. There is freedom to try. Sometimes there is freedom to fail. Ahimaaz disappears from the Bible probably because his king was an earthly king. 
But I love that we have a God who says, now approach my throne of grace with full confidence, knowing that you will receive what you need when you need it. So why don't we stand this morning? I'm going to close our gathering and I'm just going to pray for every person here. But if you feel like God is speaking to you and you are getting once again a revelation of God's heart, stay. In fact, if you want prayer, why don't you come forward and we will pray with you. Pray that God reveals. Maybe right now you're on a place and you're kind of questioning whether you have heard God's heart, whether you know God's heart. Maybe this is a moment for you to come back to what God is saying about you, about your life, about what His plans and purposes are. If that is you, why don't you stay or why don't you come forward? But let us not leave this room until there's a sense of, I am running the right race. I'm running with tenacity what God has got in His heart for me. So dear Jesus, I pray there's so much need in this world and there's so many things that we could do. There's so many options in front of us, but I pray to God that you highlight to us the race that we are meant to run, the race that you have set up for us. I pray that we run with perseverance. We run without hindrance. We run with tenacity. But God, where there are things that have creeped in for all of us, where maybe self-promotion or self-preservation even has crept in and we are trying to run that particular race, I pray that we would be able to realign and to remember your heart and what it is that you are wanting to do. So I thank you, Jesus, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, church. Like I said, the band will lead us in this song. If you want to just wait with God for a few moments, please do that. If you want prayer for anything, please come forward. If not, head over to the foyer where there's a wonderful morning tea that our team has prepared. And make sure that you check out the Compassion Stand as well and, and see if God's got His heart for you on that table as well. Thank you so much, church. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.